Welcome to the Saturate Podcast. I'm Brad Watson, and this is part three of our series on everyday disciples living ordinary lives with gospel intentionality. In this series, we're interviewing disciples from across Soma, Los Angeles. These disciples are a lot like you. They have dreams, passions, jobs, responsibilities, and the powerful calling to be sons and daughters of God and servants of Jesus and missionaries sent by the Spirit into the places and roles that God's given them. In each episode, we're talking to disciples in a unique vocation or role in life. Our hope is that this will be incredibly encouraging to you, that you'll see yourselves in their stories, that you'll appreciate the diversity of discipleship, that you'll grow to encourage others in your community who might be in a similar place, and that you'll be inspired, that you'll know that whatever circumstances God has placed you in, he's reminding you of the gospel, your identity, and he's calling you into his mission in those exact places and moments. Today's episode is about disciples who are parents, and I'll be joined by three incredible people. Sarah, who is a working mom to a newborn baby, Mirella, who is my wife and mom to three young kids, and Tripp, who's a dad to four teenage daughters. These are normal people. These are their stories. Let's dive in. This is the Saturate Podcast. Saturate is committed to seeing a gospel movement happen in North America and beyond, in which every man, woman, and child have a daily encounter with Jesus in word and deed. This podcast is an ongoing conversation with disciples and leaders growing in the gospel and growing and living the implications of the gospel in community and on mission. Welcome, guys, to the Saturate Podcast. It's good to have you guys. It's good to be here. Yay. Yeah. You guys are brave souls here to talk about parenting and how, as a parent, God has uh, shown you himself, how you uh, live in light of the gospel uh, in community on mission, even as a parent, that that is even possible. I know that's going to send shockwaves through the internet, uh, which kind of shows you where we are in the world. But uh, before we jump into that, maybe you can all introduce yourself so people recognize the voices as we continue on. So we'll start with you. And tell us about your children, Trip. Yeah. Yeah, my name is Trip Forgen. I have four girls. Uh, I have a 16-year-old, a 15-year-old, a 13-year-old, and a soon-to-be 12-year-old. Um, so, yeah, my wife Jessica and I have um, been raising them since they were born. <laughs> pretty amazing. That's pretty good. Yeah. So that's... That's you're on, yeah, almost finishing two decades of parenting. Finishing two decades, That's yes, amazing. and uh, That's crazy. we'll be married for twenty years in November. That's awesome. Yay. Big party needs to happen for that. And how about you, Sarah? My name's Sarah, and I have a three-month-old son, Thaddeus Benjamin. He's pretty cute. It is our first child, and um, I've been married to my husband Casey for going on five years, and yeah, we've. Lived in LA for, I lived here eight years, then New York City for three, and now back for almost two. So I don't know. I've been in the cities. The cities. <laughs> cities. But I grew up in a town of 800, so I'll put that out there too. I got all the span of living spaces. Yes, yeah, so three months in. Yeah. That's so great. And he yeah. is cute. Then how about you? I'm Mirella, and. Married to Brad. Is it 11 years this year? 11 years. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> It'll be 11 years in June. And we have three kids, a seven-year-old, four-year-old, and a three-year-old. So we haven't been doing this for very long. No. But Just getting started. We're, too. we're making through it, whatever that means. That's great. We are. <laughs> uh, They're alive. So that's 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 my parenting situation also. Uh, one of the reasons I wanted all three of you on the podcast is because of the big diversity there of teenagers, preschool kids, new baby, uh, to talk about what I think is really important because many, many people end up having children. Uh, that's a thing that happens in the church. 
Uh, that's the thing that happens as people follow Jesus as they get married, they have children. That's like part of life. Uh, that's how we got 8 billion people on this planet. But uh, often I think that in the church, it gets put into this uh, realm of, oh, now you have a child. So everything changes for you. You have a whole new thing, a whole new new way of being a disciple, which I think is partly true for sure. Uh, but we wanted to talk about uh, how do you find your identity in Christ uh, as you parent and then talk about how you live life and community on mission and all of that stuff. So uh, first question I want to throw out to you guys, and you can answer in any order, is how does the gospel uh, or how does your gospel identity transform or kind of reorient the way that you parent over the years, over the months, over the weeks? <laughs> It's a work in process, we will say, but I think the control piece, I am a little bit of a control freak and uh, struggle with anxiety, but I think knowing that like fad is not mine ultimately, but he is God's like releases some of that. And I think too, just even with, yeah. I love Instagram and all of that, but like all these mommy bloggers and things like that, it's just kind of like, I didn't read a whole bunch or a ton, but just knew that I had a community around me and that there's like a sovereign God and there's lots of grace. Um, Part of it was also maybe the anxiety, like, oh, if I know too much or (laughs) there's just so much out there and like so many differing opinions, but like that we wanted like a gospel centric and that we had people in our community to rely on. But I think the control piece gets left away, like gets torn away. And I think even like he was just born, but thinking about even the birthing process and like, what if everything happened and he wasn't quote unquote healthy or Mm -hmm. something didn't go right. But like knowing that our God is still good and writing a certain story, like takes Mm -hmm. away so many fears and walls and just how we parent, which is really awesome. I think it's still a work in process progress and you um, have to like daily surrender that. But I think that's like one of the biggest things is that letting go of that control piece. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that like, he is with us on mission and part of it, which might go into another one, but you're like, mm-hmm. all right, you're coming with me. And like, yeah. we're doing this all together and how we raise him is mm-hmm. like, it's a testimony and speaks to other people too. Yeah. I think that's like so critical, Sarah, the idea that like we, if we don't understand our own identity first in, in Christ, there's no way that we're going to ever like disciple our own kids in like, them finding their identity in Jesus. And so like, I think like being a part of a community that we're continued to be reminded of um, who we are and what God has done for us and what that makes us um, in him. And where we find our identity in those things, it then allows, I think us as parents to, to walk along in the midst of the story of whatever is going on in our lives and our kids' lives. And, and so there has to be a grounding first, I think, as parents before we can mm-hmm. can ever walk with our, and teach our kids that. And then, you know, when it comes to disciplining and instructing and walking with them, like it's a, it's a daily battle of continuing yeah. to call them back to those things and and why why we walk and why we live these ways, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a critical piece. Yeah, I found that throughout the years for me to learn or to be able to teach my kids what does it look like to be a child of God, it starts with me believing and living in that identity piece that I am his child. And so I think for me, especially when our oldest was born, I took this attitude of, all right, God gave her to us, so I'm going to have to take care of her and raise her and do all of these things on my own and, and in many ways behave like an orphan person that mm-hmm. doesn't have a good father. And I think the shift of believing that God didn't just give us a kid and drop us in the middle of raising a child on our own, but yet not only he's walking with us as we do that, but he is also teaching me about his character and what does it mm-hmm. look like for me to be his mm-hmm. child That is something that I think he's constantly refining in my heart. And a big piece of that kind of 
tagging along with what you said, like with the control is the releasing of our kids um, and trusting that God has a story for their lives. And I think for me, one of the things that I've, I always kind of try to go back to, and I think the Lord reminds my heart constantly is that he loves my kids more than I love Mm. them and that he has a story for them that I, I don't even know. And so releasing that control and, going to God as a father that is good to me and good to them and loves me and loves them. And so I think I'm definitely like still in the learning process of that. And I would say between my first child and my third child, there was a shift (laughs) of how I saw that (laughs) being played out. But that's one thing that I really hope that our kids can, can learn and, and believe that they are, their children, not not just our children, but that there's a, a perfect father that created them and loves them. So it sounds really good, but it's a really hard thing. Yeah. Well, I think even especially like you mentioned story and I always forget about that, but that not just understanding our own identity, but also understanding the story that we're in and how important that is. I think a lot of times as parents, we try to write our kids' stories for them. Usually looks like ours or the opposite of ours. You know, like we want to make sure they don't experience any of the things that we did or we want to make sure that they experience everything that we did or what the world around us tells us a a child should have. And so that's how the gospel's kind of coming to to you guys as you parent. What does it look like to, uh, and some of you touched on this, but to have your children be part of a community of people, an intentional gospel centered community that's on mission. It's obviously, it's looked different in every different stage. You know, like when our kids were really young, uh, they were all born in Pennsylvania and we would spend um, a lot of times we we were really lived really close to our neighbors. We would get our kids in bed and then with the monitors and everything, like you could be outside with neighbors and being able to do those things. I think as they, as they got older, there were times when we um, would go to different people's homes that we wanted to be um, intentional with, and we would just have them in tow and we would put them down in people's homes or whatever that may be. And, and knowing that like our kids sleep is not like the most paramount thing in the world. Yeah, we want to like make sure they get a good night's sleep because we know it's going to be bad the next day if they don't. But mm-hmm. also knowing that, you know, like there's important things for us um, to continue to walk in and for them to like learn mm-hmm. to be a part of. So they became a part of things from the very beginning. Um, and now the stage that uh, my kids are in, it's really kind of the mission has shifted to where um, they were on mission with us before. And kids have this natural ability to just like draw people in ability like they're they're very simple easy missionaries to mm-hmm. like pull people into life with you um, and so you get to steward that um, mm-hmm. for the kingdom um, but now kind of the stage of life where my kids are teenagers has kind of shifted from mission that we were on as a family and in community to now the mission that they're on and so now the mission is kind of shifted towards their friends and so now um, they're kind of leading the mission and we're going with them where it used to be in the stage mm-hmm. they were going with us. Yeah. And so they've learned that piece and they're still working that out. You know, my kids aren't perfect and we're not the perfect parents, but they're still working that out and, in learning that just like anyone else would learn how to walk in mission and walk in, mm-hmm. you know, community those ways. And so the, it shifts during different seasons of life. Yeah. Can I ask a follow up question? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm just curious, Trip. how did you and Jess, like help give your kids that sense of ownership over the mission, you know, shifting Mm -hmm. from you participate to now you're, you're part of leading it. How did you guys do that with them? Yeah, I think from a very early age, we talked with them and prayed with them and shared just like our heart for people. And I think they start, they started to understand that. Mm -hmm. Um, And very quickly, you know, they would be like, Oh, we want to go and invite so-and-so over. And so we would say yes a lot to those things. Mm -hmm. Um, Often, you know, it'd be like things like, oh, we want to invite, you know, Mary over and we want to make her a pie. Mm -hmm. I'm like, really? I'm like, okay, (laughs) let's let's do that. 
so they learned that that idea of yeah that this is something that is is not only what God calls us to, but it is actually enjoyable and mm-hmm. it is actually abundant piece of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think they learned that and trying to give your kids a heart for those things mm-hmm. to where now they um, have a heart for their friends. And we, we talk to them, you know, about that. And, um, and I think just the same way you would bring anyone else along as kind of mm-hmm. like an apprentice leader in your group or, or something like that, that you, you know, you would try to train and disciple you know, I think our kids are one of our, our chief things that God's given us to steward, to disciple. And so we have to pay attention mm-hmm. to them as well, not just get so caught up in the other things. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just being aware that that's actually the case yeah. and and praying and asking God to like reveal that. And then mm-hmm. some of that mission that, that they're leading now, we helped get started mm-hmm. and kickstarted and then kind of handed it slowly over to them in the, in those ways. That's cool. Yeah. And that stewardship piece, that's something you've talked about a lot too, or I've been with you a lot when you've talked about that, <laughs> you've been asked to talk about it. Maybe it's cause you, you just are the, the wise, the wise one around, but the old one on the, the, one on the block. <laughs> no, but because I think a lot of times when we, at least I had always thought, stewarding your children meant making sure they were safe, making sure they had what they needed, uh, making sure they got the friends that they needed to have. Like, like that was what like stewardship or, but I think you, you have a different take that is really centered on Jesus. I mean, I think as we think about stewarding um, children and like discipling them, I think, you can go back to the parable where like um, of the wise steward and like the master gives them each talents and those sort of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think often what I've seen in Christian community is people take that talent of their kids and they hide it mm-hmm. and they want to make sure that they're so protected yeah. that, that nothing is going to happen to them and that they're, mm-hmm. they're going to get these truths and they're going to, like get all these things, which is really good. We need to do that. We need to like protect our kids and we need to like teach them the truth of the Bible. Um, But if we're not actually taking those things and practically applying them, then what we're doing is actually hiding that Mm -hmm. like that, like the poor steward did um, rather than a steward who has those talents and, and uses those things for God's purpose and for his kingdom. And so it's the, it's the difference of, just training your child in a closed space, actually training in the everyday things of life. And mm-hmm. so being able to like open communication and talk about things as you're seeing them, as you're walking mm-hmm. alongside them, mm-hmm. as they're experiencing them in smaller bits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just happen in like, oh, we're going to sit down across the table and talk for 45 minutes. Like my kids will go berserk <laughs> by then. Right? Um, yeah. Although my wife would love to do that. <laughs> It just doesn't work, especially now as they're teenagers. Um, And so it happens in small moments. Um, But I think intentionally as a parent, you have to also think about where can I get those small moments with them? Um, You know, and so one of the things that I've been able to do in reworking my schedule is making sure that I'm with my kids every morning. Um, I didn't, when I first, my kids were younger, I was much more of a workaholic and didn't wasn't home in the mornings and then came home and then they were in bed, you know, an hour or two later. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I've tried to work my schedule to where I'll have breakfast with them and I'll walk them to school and take them into school and then spend even those 15 minutes of back and forth to school is an opportunity to like get the day started, remind them. I usually pray for them before they go into school and just remind them of their identity as as they walk into the day. Um, I think that's also an opportunity to do that, you know, at night as you're putting your kids to bed is pray over their identity, yeah. uh, you know, over them. And so they're continually hearing the things that you want to see in them, but also the things that like God wants to grow them in. Yeah. I, I like that, that picture of, yeah. Are you going to steward them and disciple them in a closed space or in an open space, like a, a, 
a scent space, like where, yeah, they have access to to other believers in community, but also like the the mission itself. And mission is always risky, and and sometimes chaotic. How about you, ladies? I'd say right now, like it's just he is so small, but it's just like come with us all the all the time and everywhere, and like yeah. people are in our home all the time. Like our home has not been transformed into like oh, it has to be like quiet. Like we had a huge dance party and surprise parties, and like yeah, people like screaming and like he's just like. And I'm like, okay, cool. But um, I think just like that life, it continues. It looks different, obviously. Mm -hmm. And like, um, even kind of like what Tripp said, I like went through it a little bit yesterday because I'm like, oh, he's just starting to sleep seven hours. But like, no, we're going to like, we'll put him down in other people's beds and like that'll, and maybe he doesn't, but like, we need to be here and we'll go to sleep. And I think that identity too, of like learning like, it reinforces probably our servant identity with our kids too. It's just like, okay, well, that means I'm going to be up at two with him, but that's okay. Like people matter. And like, I'm serving him, like he needs this, but we're serving other people too. Mm -hmm. I think that gets reinforced deeper, but I think kids again too, like I'm just learning. It's just like such a magnet for people. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's just like, I, it's people out of the woodwork. I don't know why I keep mentioning Instagram, <laughs> but like, will message me and be like, let's talk about it. Oh, you're a mom now. And like you, let's get coffee again. Yeah. And I'm like, I haven't heard from you in five years. <laughs> sure. Let's get coffee again and talk. And like, just having a kid opens up these conversations and it is emotional and it changes your life. And so you can get into some interesting conversations. And then recently too, we just moved to a new neighborhood with our son and, I'm going on lots of stroller walks for multiple reasons, no, okay. <laughs> but just meeting people around and like being able, like we're, I go with my, our neighbors and we take our kids in the strollers to the farmer's market and like being intentional with her of like, all right, let's do this. And so right now we're in the phase of he just comes along with it and our house is still just as open as it ever was. And it actually was able to be even more open. Like I thought, Oh, an infant, like I'm going to be pulled out of community, but we had like a meal train and people just ate, brought them dinner and then stayed with us. And like, we just got so much community. And then I think some people who have different schedules in LA, we don't all work nine to fives or if people work at all, I don't know, but like people got to come over and just be with me. And we had like really good conversations because I had the time being off of work on maternity leave to like invest in those like relationships and into those conversations. So that's kind of how it's going. But I feel like kids do attract a lot of people and like yeah when it's also risky too the lady down the street is like a hoarder and a smoker she's like come over for coffee and I would love to I don't know quite how that works like just my baby monitor reach four houses down but like bad you wait outside we'll have coffee but it's cool like she's like one of the oldest people on the street and she's like like, I know everything on the street I was like okay I gotta get to know you like if I know you I'm gonna get to know everyone on this street you could do how about front porch coffee yeah (laughs) I'll bring you some you don't even have to make it also you guys have had this uh, experience or at least something I've heard about your missional community uh, is how Thad being born and being part of the community has been really good for it your your missional community was a bunch of people without children young single young newly married that kind of yeah you guys throw a lot of engagement parties in your missional community (laughs) but but not a lot of baby showers how has that like been good like having a child in that yeah I think we get to like through failure probably most of the time like we're stepping forward for a bunch of young couples and young single people like what that looks like but what that life doesn't have to pause or just even like 
being very transparent with like oh, anxiety, but just being like, yeah, pass him around. Or I think the day he was born, like I didn't hold him until like I held him in the beginning. But, like, <laughs> sorry, I should clarify. But then like not again until like 9 p.m. And then I held him for like four hours straight. But it was just like people bringing in and like teaching how to love and like how life looks different, but not looks mm-hmm. different. And like, mm-hmm all right, we're going to do it at our place now. But like people have served us and it's also, well, it's taught me a lot to accept hope. And I think I like to care for everyone and make sure everyone's needs are met. But like, it's been a season where I've had to accept help and be needy. Um, But they're all, there's like all these girls like at night, like over and like fawning over him and like so in love with this baby. And it just like makes you feel yeah, like he doesn't just have us discipling him. He has this whole community and this community is getting like tastes of like what parenthood can look like in the city, first of all, and then on mission, or maybe I should do it reverse on mission, first of all, <laughs> ultimate, and then in the city. In the city well. yeah. yeah. Which is, that is a, I mean, just for the long-term sake of what we hope and pray for in Los Angeles, it's going to take a lot of people having children and then staying here, right? Not having a children, a child as the first sign that you're moving back or wherever. Yeah, yeah. that's like a common thing. Like, oh, we want to have kids, so we're going to move yeah. back home. You got to go to the town yeah. of 800 people. Or we're moving. What? You got to go back to your town of 800 people. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that comes with all sorts of costs and challenges for sure. Mm-hmm. What were you going to say, you know, about oh, life and community and mission? Yeah, I was just trying to think. Um, I think for us throughout the years, it has looked, I mean, different already because we've, we've, we're now in the preschool slash school stage. And I think what this new season has brought is um, just our oldest will be asking, hey, mom, can we have so-and-so over for dinner? Or, um, And it's usually people from school or, you know, a lot of it has to do also with play dates, like being intentional with people as we get to know the parents and as we get to love on the kids and as the parents and the kids come to our house for play dates and, um, and sometimes they don't even, the parents don't even come, they just drop off their kids, which is great. And so I think that has been different. I think whereas before we've had probably more people like adults coming now because of all the play date opportunities, yeah. it's more of like the kids are coming with mm-hmm. to play with our kids. So that's been a different, just like a new chapter, I would say. And then I think too, our kids, we've always lived away from family. Like we've never, our kids never, have never been close to blood family, I guess, or lived near blood family. And so one of the things that they have experienced is just that love um, from other people that are not necessarily related to them by blood, but love them just as much. And that's been a huge gift for them. And I think, I think it's been a huge gift for them yeah. from what I see, just the opportunity that they have to experience the love of Christ through the church. I think too, as they navigate a world that doesn't believe in Jesus versus I see a lot more in our oldest, like she goes to school and she knows that most of her friends don't believe in Jesus. And sometimes she comes home and she says, mom, so-and-so says that they believe in God. And she's like, shocked by it Mm -hmm. and for her it's as if this she has like this new understanding of life I don't really know (laughs) like life is gonna be different for her but then for her to constantly be faced with like her own also just her own struggle with understanding that being a Christian doesn't mean that she's perfect you know that we are perfect because she also Mm -hmm. makes a whole lot of mistakes and so learning how to forgive how to love friends at school all of those things I think it's been really really sweet for Mm -hmm. for me to watch her and I mean she's the only one that's in school go through so that's that's a whole nother like new thing for me even how to disciple her in that 
actually, and we were talking about it last week, like praying for her on the way to school or having those intentional conversations mm-hmm. and reminding her that God is with her and that he loves her friends at school too. And that, you know, all of those things that try to instill in her this idea that God is not just for her, but like he's right. for the world. And so that's, that's been a whole new thing that I've never read mom blogs about it. So we're just kind of learning like, as we go. Yeah. And then with specifically like missional community stuff, our MC has another family too. So they, the kid, the kids go to the same school mm-hmm. um, and they have similar friends. So there is that opportunity of like playground time kind of overlapping all those totally. relationships. And so that's been, I think that's been good for them to just to have that overlapping of their own lives, like life, life as, um, you know, followers of Jesus happens in school happens in our home and missional community meals it happens in gatherings and so i think yeah it's been a different season for them and for us too yeah yeah because yeah we've kind of even moving to la it was that's when nora started school yeah, and so it was a big shift yeah. from uh-huh. most of it was like like trip was describing bringing our children along yeah. to mm-hmm. or people coming to our house and like hanging out with people on the street and with neighbors to our children having a life and us us going there and and seeing that. And that's really good stuff. One of the things that at least, yeah, just for me is, is realizing how much our children pay attention to like what's happening around them uh, and how they really are. They're the mission also as we're on mission. So I think that, uh, whatever we're discipling them in and whatever they get to see us saying this is really important is what they're going to think is really important in following Jesus, whether that's uh, the 45 minute devotional at the table or, <laughs> uh, or the like conversations and the prayer for others and the uh, welcoming in of other people into our house or going into other people's homes, like all of that, I think we're discipling them. Yeah, especially in the the missional community world, if someone came to you and said, hey, I just want to move in to your house and watch everything that you do and see how you live. And I just want you to disciple me. We'd be like, wow, we've hit the jackpot. Look, this guy or this gal like want to do that. Um, Wow. Like what kind of disciple could we make? And I think that's essentially what we have for our children. Even, yeah, when all the people leave your house and you shut the door and you get ready for bed, you still have what usually like, I'm like, yeah, we've multiplied our family. So it's like, we turned around, I turned around. It's like, Oh wow. There's, we're still a missional community right here of five people, even though everyone just like left the house uh, to steward and to lead. So as a parent, like at bare minimum, you're leading many other people, one child at least uh, towards, towards Jesus. So that's a lot of uh, the ideal, the rosy picture, maybe. Uh, what are some of the the like real obstacles and challenges that come up as you live this way with your children? I think for me, it goes back to my first question, to my first answer, which is relinquishing control. So mm-hmm. I can't get my kids to do what I want them to do. <laughs> I mean, I, I can, I can force it. And I can, you know, do whatever to threaten. And, um, but, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I am um, discipling them and caring for them in the way that points them to Jesus. It points them to me and what I want them to do. Yeah. And so I think, I think in my heart, you know, I'm, I'm thinking if I want, um, like if, if my kid wants, is, is asking, hey, mom, can we have so-and-so over for dinner, you know? And I can say, yeah, that would be great. Let's make this, you know, and you can take ownership of it and participate and all that. Or I can say, no, I'm really tired. And I, that's just mm-hmm. that's just not on the schedule for me this week. We're really busy. Dad has a million meetings. I have this thing. No, that's just not going to work. We don't like people, whatever. <laughs> Um, no, I think for me to, to see, for me to see the opportunity as 
something that is in their heart that and like how do we how do we um, nourish that in a way that one speaks to that to the, to like the the nature of who God is and the one that is welcoming and like talk talk to them about that like I usually wouldn't do that I would probably just say yes or no and like that's about it and in those opportunities remind them that there's a reality that's bigger than what we're just living right now mm-hmm. so for for me that is part of also the relinquishing of my own will and my own desire for whatever for my kids um mm-hmm. and that was probably like a rabbit hole yeah that's that's one challenge that i personally face uh which also goes back to one thing you mentioned which is make the, our kids our own image mm-hmm. like the, that thing of either they we want them to experience the same things we experienced or not experience right. the pain that we experienced and understanding that it's their story and they're their own people yeah. and not images of who we are oh yeah and the suffering piece i think my gut reaction is always to like minimize their suffering but suffering's really good can be i don't think we should hurt our children on purpose for the record <laughs> but <laughs> For the recording's sake, but, you know, like, yeah, when Nora has a hard day and kids aren't nice or she's not nice um, or she goes to the principal's office, it's like, I think there's this sort of like, oh, how do I get them out of that completely? Like, let's just remove them from that pain or, or the opportunity to, to feel that. Um, but really, that's, but God is right. Like they're coming in contact with the sin of the world and the sin of themselves. And in your own household. Right. Like mm-hmm. it's- yeah. Nora always freaks out when we apologize to her. When we ask for her forgiveness. She's like, no, you're great parents. You're good <laughs> no, parents. No, it's my fault. It's my fault. It's like, no, no, I was really wrong. Yeah. It's like the sacrificial lamb that does not need to be the sacrificial lamb. Yeah. yeah. How about you guys? What are, what are the, the real obstacles and challenges? being present with people has probably changed a little bit because yes. it's like is that oh, baby crying or like yep. I'm really tired what did you say again and like <laughs> I love like deep intentional conversation and like yeah or it's like oh I'm holding a baby or it's crying or like I'm feeding it and trying to talk to you like yeah. I feel unfortunately like my brain is like not all the way there but probably in a good sense because it's like thinking and caring about my son but I think that has been a little bit of a challenge and I like get met like upset with myself of like ah or yeah. I'm sorry like I have to apologize to this person like I was super dead zo in the conversation <laughs> and like I wasn't my normal like engaging deep self or whatever and it's just yeah like this is a different season and I, I'm doing the best that I can through God's grace but like there is just like that tiredness or that part of like, I have to give, I can't give all of my attention wholly on you because I do also have to care for my child and I have to do that. And I think I'm like learning to balance that or learning to accept this new phase of life too. And I think there are times that you get away to like totally engage one-on-one with people and like, God gives you like the strength and ability or probably as I parent better, I'll learn that more. But I think that's just been one too. And I think, um, yeah, when we're like doing things with our MC and it's like someone's birthday, it's like, you're not going with your husband anymore. (laughs) Like one of you goes to the comedy tonight and one of you is going to karaoke. Like let's split it up, you know? And like, it just looks different. And, um, did you choose the karaoke? Yeah, of course. (laughs) And we try to take him along as much as possible, but we're not necessarily letting our baby sing karaoke in a bar at midnight. Maybe, you know, um, yeah. And I think just some of those like practical pieces, it just changes life and it's obviously for the better, but there is like that sacrifice when you become a parent too, of like, I can't do everything anymore. And those of you who know me, I like to have a very intense, robust social calendar and it's changed. It's, it's not, it's not nothing like we host parties and I'm still hanging out with tons of people, but it's different Yeah, and it's 
for the joy of children and learning that, but it's still accepting that and it looks different and you have to plan different for things. So, and then I also just think like already, it's just like, I've apologized to my three month old. Like we just always bring so much sin or so much anxiety. And I think even infants can feel like someone was telling me like, you're tense, Sarah. Like he could probably feel that. And I'm like, what? I'm not tense, but I, (laughs) it's fine. I'm relaxed. But just even how much sin we constantly bring into it. And it's just kind of like that constant. And we, I like to use this phrase, like we learn how to like walk with a limp well. Like we've learned how to deal with our sins sometimes. And we can like, but when another person comes into it or super <laughs> impressionable child, like, like, oh, wait a second. I've learned to like live with my fear of man issue, but now someone else is experiencing right. it in my life. So like constantly repenting and thinking about like what that looks like because we're constantly discipling them you know Mm -hmm. and we're gonna make mistakes and so how to look at our own lives and get that over and apologize to them and even apologize to your three-month-old like i'm not doing this right right now you're probably gonna be super resilient right (laughs) but um yeah, those are kind of some of the challenges I'm experiencing yeah. three months in. Yeah. <laughs> I can totally relate to the brain thing. Like, yeah, it's your brain's always thinking multiple things, I think. It's a scientific thing. There's an Atlantic article about it. Nice. <laughs> How your brain shifts once you have a kid. Anyway, <laughs> how about you, Trip? <laughs> Read the article. Well, um... <laughs> Yeah, I think there's so many things that are hard um, and that are, are just challenges really because of sin, um, sin in our own hearts and sin in the hearts of our kids. Mm-hmm. I think we want to just like change their hearts, and we, you know, and so we want to play God and we think that our discipline and our instruction and uh, all the things that we lead them in is going to change their heart, but it's not their avenues towards like pointing them to Jesus, but the spirit's got to change their heart in those things. And so I think that's hard at times. Um, and it's very frustrating, um, and can like lead to like us, like as parents, like getting angry with one another, you know, and because like, Hey, well, how come she hasn't changed yet? And like, "Mm, how come you didn't, if you would have disciplined her this way, then that would have worked, you know, or, and so I think like those sins like often can magnify themselves in other areas of your life. Um, and I think it's really hard too to like, as your kids get older, you start to see your own brokenness in them mm-hmm. or like, or the thing that bothers you the most, the brokenness that bothers you the most from your spouse, you see that in them. Mm-hmm. And so then we end up trying to disciple that out of, our kids so that our spouse won't live that way. Mm-hmm. I think like that's a piece yeah. that's really a real true yeah. reality. Um, that's so messed up mm-hmm. and so misguided. And so that becomes a difficult piece. And I think in different seasons, like our kids, the the needs and the struggles look differently. You know, like I think when they're, when they're really young, it's just like they need to learn how to like obey immediately. And then as they get older, we want them to, to learn how to obey, um, but we want them to not just obey because we said so. We want them to learn how to obey because they actually love God and want to obey him so they would then obey us. And so I think there's pieces of that that become really, really difficult. And I think often for me, when those things like rub up against me, I become the like the really offended party. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm very quick to forget that like, no, this is actually like an offense against God. Yes, it's a part of an offense against me when they're pushing on those things, but I'm also offensive and I, I need to repent like you guys are talking about. And, and even in my best parenting moments, there's still brokenness that, that I need to probably repent of or, or be a part of and um, reveal need. That and the demons in the cars. I don't. There's something about cars where <laughs> demons just come out of kids. I don't know. 
Once you jump in the car, you get in the minivan. And like, I think minivans are possessed. Yeah, uh, exactly. So you can have a whole other podcast on that. <laughs> they're uh, so convenient. They're very convenient. Yeah. Um, you exchange convenience for, for, for demons. demons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry for that. Yeah, no, that's real. <laughs> no. Yeah, I think even in our best parenting moments, there's brokenness. That's pretty true and profound like that um even as i think about some of my proudest moments they're they're also filled with like hero complex of like oh i'm finally this one conversation is going to save my daughter and i'm doing it so great right now (laughs) or i finally planned the, the like this great vacation they're gonna have good memories and they're gonna understand god's love as a father because i'm being such a great father or all of those things like i think about that and one of the things that exposes in me is are definitely the same failures or false motives that i have with leading a community or discipling anyone i was like just so visible with my children i think the frustrations with control or how could they not listen to me? I told them four times to move these shoes, you know, um, and they're four years old. So yeah, that's such a profound truth. Yeah. Anything else you guys would like to add? I think one thing is that I've, I just started thinking is, I don't know, seeing our kids as, part of whatever it is that we're doing versus something to be put to the side. And I'm thinking specifically with just like MC mealtime, which I think we've talked a lot about that, but including them, not just like discipling them into what it means to be in community by actually inviting them to be in community. So around the table, people are sharing stories, take time to, you know, allow them to share stories too and teach them how to ask people questions. And I remember one time we were at the Forgins, we're visiting here before we moved and we sat down for dinner and Noel asked me a question like, what's your favorite color or something like that. And I thought that was really cool, very intentional and just like a simple way to get to know other people and, I think instilling that in the, in our kids in, in the middle of adult conversations that seem to be so important and serious, allowing them to also engage with the adults, mm-hmm. not as if they are adults because they're not, allowing them to be the kids that they are mm-hmm. and still value their presence and hopefully will be a good thing for them as they grow up, yeah. <laughs> learn how to engage with other people. And not just focus on themselves like, let me tell you this story about myself. In my school all day, every day. But also ask other people, like, how was your day? What happened to you? What are you doing? Whatever. Yeah. That's good. And another, like, I might, on an unrelated note, remember my brain isn't working right, everyone. Um, I'm just kidding. It's working amazing. Um, But I just think it also, being a parent teaches you, we're being discipled by God through it. And I think just probably, especially with uh, infant, but even older children, just like what God's comfort and grace really is. And I think like I have a particularly screamo infant and just like (laughs) holding him sometimes and just like being there. It has taught me so much more of like what God does for us, like every single day. And like that I can hold that picture while I'm like, oh my gosh, like what is happening to my life? Like, but just like, we're constantly being that screamo child in his arms or like fighting to go to sleep and like whipping her head back and forth. Like, don't hold me. I'm totally awake. Like, no, you're not. And I think, I don't know. It's just like such a sweet picture. I think I'm just learning how much, how much love our father has for us and how much of like a good and gracious and super, super patient father he is that we learn that through parenting. Cause we, get to do maybe broken images of his love for them, but that we're reminded of like, he does it at such a grander scale of like wrapping us in his arms and comforting us or 
um, and he'll do it again and again. And um, I don't know. I think that's just been like a really mm. sweet piece, like that I have experienced the last few months of just how much he loves me and how much like because I'm like worse than my son and like my fussiness or my screamoness, like my <laughs> sin and yeah. independence is like a uh, hundred times worse than like what it looks like me holding my screaming son. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's just been a really sweet picture and like thing I've been meditating on and like learning and realizing too. So good. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, that's what I was thinking about. There's this like, just thinking through like, we need to err on the side of grace. Mm-hmm. I think oftentimes with our kids, we have these expectations that they're going to like get it way faster than any expectation we would put on anyone else we're discipling. Mm -hmm. And so we think that, you know, they're going to get these things so quickly and all of a sudden like they're going to learn to walk and follow Jesus completely and they're going to follow us and obey us every time. And and it's not a reality. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think like, understanding kind of the long view of of parenting and discipleship you know with our kids um that they you said this earlier but they they are a part of the mission and they are and god's on mission to them Mm -hmm. um and we get to like be a part of his call in their life Mm -hmm. um and have expectations that he's the one that's at work in them Mm -hmm. and it's not us we're just a small minute piece of that Um, i think when we understand that it becomes less about us Mm. and less about you know them following me as a dad um or as a parent um and more about him um and and to realize that that they all have expectations too Mm. you know there's six people in my house that have an expectation of what that car ride's going to look like or what the vacation is going to look like or what the the time around the table is going to look like or what this afternoon is going to be. And so like understanding to like try to walk in grace in all of those things that um, expectations are often askew. Um, And so trying to err on grace, even though you want to err on law. Yeah. And I think that that then gets to be extended to yourself as well. Like I think when we're parenting with the law, we're putting ourselves under the law. And then at least for myself, that's where I become anxious in my parenting and double down in the controlling, double down in the shame and guilt because it's like I have to do this perfectly if we don't receive God's grace ourselves, being rooted in our own identity and the Father's love and Jesus's passion for us, then yeah, we won't extend that to our kids. Thanks so much for joining us, joining in the podcast. Yeah, we'll have you guys on again soon. In like 18 years, we'll do this podcast again <laughs> and see. <laughs> we'll check back in. Oh, dun, dun, dun. What's going on with that now? Awesome. Thanks, guys. Today's podcast was edited by Ben Fort, and our theme music is written and performed by the band Mopac. Saturate's hope is to see one missional community for every 1,000 people in every city as we see the glory of God fill every person, every place, and every church. We participate in this vision by curating resources, training, coaching, consulting, and many more ways. Find out more at saturatetheworld.com. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the music.